Hello and welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and give a bit of light on your eating disorder recovery journey. I'm Keandra, your host, and I'm an eating disorder recovery coach and survivor. And in today's episode, I am going to be talking about all things extreme hunger. What is it and how you get out of it in the best way possible? So extreme hunger, you might have experienced it, you might have not, but more often than not, if you're recovering from a restrictive eating disorder specifically, you will experience extreme hunger or reactive hunger at some point in your recovery. I know for myself, um, I definitely in my own journey had points where I did experience extreme hunger and I used to think, oh my gosh, I'm crazy. I've gone insane. What's wrong with me? Why can't I just be normally? And that's like literally what constantly went through my head in the early days of recovery because my extreme hunger had kind of taken over. And, you know, I thought I could magically go from restricting to being a normal eater or an intuitive eater. Well, I was definitely wrong there and it was definitely not the case. And I would try so hard to kind of serve myself and eat normal portions of food like I saw the people around me eat. And even what was on my meal plan, which is why I'm kind of, when I'm talking to clients now, I'm always in two minds about meal plans. I think they serve as a guide, but they can often be restrictive because they don't allow for extreme hunger. And although these portions were far more than I would have ever allowed myself to eat, prior to my recovery, when I was in my eating disorder, I just literally was never satisfied. I couldn't just stop at a normal portion. I don't know, you know, if you reflect on yourself, if you're going through it, you know, it's the oddest feeling. You know, my stomach might have felt full, but I had an innate calling to keep eating whatever I could get my hands on. I know for me, it was peanut butter and things like bagels, toast, carbohydrate and nutrient dense food. And I'd consume huge amounts of food at once and still scrounge for more. I felt like some sort of like impoverished child who'd been locked away for years without enough food. But I suppose in some sense, I kind of had, but I'd done it to myself. Obviously, unwillingly, I had an eating disorder, but I restricted myself for so many years. I don't believe it's true that people are put off embarking on the path of recovery because they read about things like overshoot and extreme hunger. For myself, I kind of always used to react in the moment. The eating disorder or the eating disorder voice might have had like a tantrum, as I'd call it. But ultimately, to fully recover, you know, you have to fully stop listening to the eating disorder's fears. And I think we all do get to a point where the thought of recovery terrifies us, but we kind of know we have to do it anyway. It's kind of like that feel the fear and do it anyway. And the better prepared we are for it, the more chance we are in seeing it to the end. So I suppose for me, with extreme hunger, as much as I feared it before starting recovery, I knew that it was probably inevitable. So I want to make a point here that Not all eating disorder sufferers who recover go through extreme hunger. However, if I was going to ballpark estimate the number of people whom I've known and worked with who went through it, I'd say 75 to 80%. And maybe, or maybe not, but this is in my opinion, that extreme hunger is more common in adult eating disorder recovery sufferers or eating disorder sufferers as normally we've attended to restrict for like 5, 10, 20, 30, even 40 years plus. 
I don't know. I just know that it happens to more of us than maybe is acknowledged. Some resist it, that's the thing. And that's why you don't want to admit it's happening because it's every eating disorder's worst nightmare. I didn't embrace it at the start, but I hit a point where I literally didn't care anymore. I knew that there was nothing worse than not eating because I knew what my life was like without it. I got to that point where I knew that nothing that eating could do to me was going to be worse than my eating disorder was currently doing to me. You know, and it was kind of like that two fingers up to my eating disorder and being like, this is strength. This is a response of my true self coming through that I need to eat to get better. And that's how I saw it. I got to a point where I was done, you know, and this is maybe eight to 10 years back. I was young, adolescent, but I was still like mentally very strong in the fact that I knew that life was better without an eating disorder. And I was right. Don't get me wrong. It came with its struggles and life didn't necessarily become easy when I recovered from my eating disorder. But I knew at that point that I was ready to let go and potentially extreme hunger would have something to do with it. I did stop listening to my eating disorder the day I really fully committed to recovery. My eating disorder told me lies my whole life or my whole young life. And then why would extreme hunger be any different? to the lies it told me before and potentially what could happen to me. The thing is, it wasn't. And I want to remind you at the beginning, so you don't hold your nerve throughout this episode. And yes, the hunger did stop eventually. My weight increased, then slowed. And then one day I was back to kind of like the old me. Now it was quite hard for me being back to the old me because I didn't really have a pre-eaten sort of weight. I was an overweight child and young teenager until I got my eating disorder. So for me, I got back to what I recognize as the old me, where my body was naturally happy. So you might think, well, what is actually extreme hunger? Extreme hunger is a very like arbitrary form, isn't it? It's like, well, what do you mean extreme? Extreme hunger can manifest in many different ways. And this can be through symptoms that are physical, mental, emotional, or behavioral. When a person first starts to eat more and attempting to overcome um, a restrictive eating disorder or an eating disorder, it's often the non-physical signs of hunger that are the most powerful and intense. I feel like that is the mental hunger. You know, you're looking at food, you're shopping for food, you're thinking about food, you're looking up recipes or watching others eat. That's the mental side of hunger. And all of these hunger symptoms are the brain desperately trying to guide someone to eat food. The brain constantly creating food thoughts or food ideas is a brain that is starving and wants to be fed. And this hunger is a form of extreme hunger. This can be literally all a person has with only low or no physical hunger as their stomach physically is still catching up and struggling to process all the food that the body needs. It does catch up. Don't worry. You know, you're not a unicorn. Your body and your belly does catch up. You know, when extreme hunger hits, though, at its most extreme, it is mental, behavioral, emotional, and physical. And this is when you can't switch off food thoughts for love nor money. And they are literally driving you insane. You can't sleep for thinking about food. And at the same time, no amount of food that you consume feels like enough for your stomach or mind. I know that was the case for me. And it is scary, you know? At its most extreme, the stomach and your belly can feel like a little furnace that immediately grabs hold and engulfs any food that you put in it. And nothing ever feels enough. And if you do reach a point, having consumed amounts 
of that, like feeling like an Olympic eater would be proud of. And finally feeling not just physically, but also mentally satiated. And you think to yourself, I go to bed now. I can't imagine being hungry again for days, if not weeks. And then just as you fall asleep, contented, probably in a food coma, within an hour or two, your brain and your body is going, feed me, feed me, feed me. Like that kind of inner child, that baby who's screaming for food. You know, the hunger and recovery can be very extreme, but unless you follow it and respond to it, you're kind of effectively still restricting as you're not eating to your hunger, which also means inevitably you're just dragging out the process of overcoming your eating disorder. Coming back to the whole point of this episode and talking about, you know, my experience of extreme hunger or how you get through it. I'll be like really honest with you. My recovery eating at the start was restrictive. Like I was scared. I was so young. I had no guidance. I was like 13, 14. And I was given this meal plan by the NHS, so the UK mental health service at the time. And I didn't know what I was doing. But when I kind of started trusting myself, the kind of extreme hunger experiences that I had, and you know, I'm not going to mention any numbers here and I'll provide some more generalized truths and and the recovery eating I went through. But these are some experiences that I had. So I'd eat huge meals several times a day and a lot more huge snacks. And this was much more than the three meals that is kind of like misguidedly prescribed in treatment. So these would be things like family-sized dinners and snacks that could be equivalent of meals. Things like big bowls of porridge or bagels and peanut butter and things that I'd never allowed myself to eat before. Then I would kind of eat a huge and terrifying meal after a day of nonstop eating, knowing that I suppose the enormity of this meal still really wouldn't touch the sides. And like others around me would eat a fraction of it and say they could not eat another thing. And like that was really hard because in my head, I was already eating a lot in comparison. And then when the extreme hunger started, my gosh, that comparative nature within my head was just so strong. But I knew that I was doing the right thing for my body. I used to kind of cry with frustration as well, as I didn't know what to eat or I didn't know how much to eat and I didn't know when it would ever stop. And once I'd started, was I ever going to stop? But the thing is, like, I did stop. I used to do things like eat tubs of ice cream after eating like a full dinner and kind of that insatiable hunger that just didn't leave. But the thing is, all of these things that I experienced and and much more, for instance, like years of restriction, you know, when supermarket trips were like sacred experiences, you know, I used to walk around aisles and not buy anything. But with extreme hunger, it was so exciting. I could actually buy these things again and honor that. And I'll get to the point of does it stop? And the answer is yes, it does. And yes, it did for me. But I get a lot of comments being like, well, isn't extreme hunger binging? You know, obviously that that fear within people struggling with an eating disorder that they'll develop a, a binge eating disorder. But the thing is, extreme hunger is not binging. You might be thinking that a person who is binging is flipped from one type of an eating disorder into binge eating disorder. There is a complicated answer to that, which I won't go into here, but ultimately the truth is that no, this is eating disorder recovery and finally letting go to eat to the extreme hunger you're going through and you won't have that hunger forever. You know, I feel like with binging, we know that it has an emotional response. You feel out of control, but with extreme hunger, it's reactive hunger. Your body does not want or need you to consume this level of food for the rest of your days. 
but it does at the point in time which is coming out of its malnourished state. It's undoing damage. Let's say, and I'm going to draw upon something I, I read in Tabitha Farrar's book, Recover and Rewire. I think that's it. I might have got that wrong. But it was a point about, let's say like that you need a certain amount of calories a day. Let's say for argument's sake, 2,500. And I don't want to give you numbers per se, but this is just for just for this example. That's like around, what, hundreds of thousands of calories a year. And let's say you restrict it to only half of that. Well, that comes to less than half the amount that you would eat, you know, if you were actually eating to your hunger and your actual requirements. So that's a very, very large deficit. And let's say that you did that for 10 years. That's a really big deficit that you're going to have to make up for. And then you don't factor in the ridiculous amounts of exercise that you might be doing or or anything that's compensatory. It's like having an overdraft of a million pounds and wondering why your bank manager wasn't happy with a thousand. Now, I know the body doesn't do maths like this. and I know this is all arbitrary and my example is kind of a bit silly, but looking at it that way helped me realize that I had a lot of making up to do. And understanding that allowed me to realize that being hungry was so normal because the bottomless pit was because I was making up for lost time. The last point that I'll talk about before I move on to how to get through it, which is simple, eat, but it's maybe not that simple. And I used to think, will I end up out of control or gain too much weight if I followed this hunger? The thing is, if you do end up in a larger body that is considered, I don't know, obese by BMI charts, then it will be because that is the body shape and size that's right for you and your set point weight. And I know that's hard and I will do an episode on set point. But ultimately, if you respond to all your mental and physical hunger, no matter how out of control or extreme it feels or how high and, I don't know, wacky it takes you with your eating and your body, it will learn to trust you and feed it when it's asked for food. You know, and that's when your body is at its happiest to function, when it stops sending you crazy signals and you stop playing mind games and compulsions with your body. It's thinking, well, what helps to get through it? And, you know, does it last forever? So firstly, it's knowing why it happens. And we've talked about that in this episode. And maybe also reminding yourself or asking yourself, will this last forever? And it's very hard when you're kind of going through it. But I want to give you some advice and reassurance that the short answer is no. Extreme hunger will not last forever, especially if you manage to stay true to honoring it. Go with it and it will eventually settle down. When extreme hunger does settle down, you are continuing to eat completely free of restriction. You might not be driven to eat extreme amounts any longer, but that doesn't mean that you go back to depriving yourself. If you feel like you're depriving yourself when extreme hunger settles, then you are restricting and the idea of overcoming the eating disorder is still to fully remove restrictive eating from your life. For a lot of people though, the thought of extreme hunger and eating to match it is terrifying. However, A lot of people also fear that when extreme hunger subsides or when I suppose you're out of recovery because they've considered it recovered, that they will lose the permission to eat all the good foods in life that the brain is currently craving. And this is where it's important to remember that the reason that our brains are currently obsessing over all this food is because it's craving high amounts of it because we've not had it before and had it for longer periods of time. 
And once your body is energy balanced again, hunger levels will subside and the fear about not being allowed to eat in extreme ways will no longer be there because your desire isn't present. And that's where also nutrient density helps. So don't fight it. I learned that there was no point trying to fill up on, you know, lower calorie foods like fruit and veg or other filler foods that diet culture promotes as healthy. But the thing is, it's not what I wanted. It's not what my body wanted. I wanted things that were going to actually fill the gaps. And I mean that peanut butter and bread and things that I deprived myself of and whole packets of biscuits and sugary foods that that nourished me and, and gave me the carbohydrate reserves that I was losing. And that's a lot about it as well as trying to fill up the glycogen reserves that you had not had for a very long period of time because of restricting, you know, and the sooner I gave in and allowed my body nutrient dense foods, the sooner my extreme hunger turned into less extreme hunger and then just into plain old hunger into a normal appetite. I would say I have a very strong appetite. You know, I get hungry, you know, very regularly throughout the day, but that is normal and it's normal to feel hungry and honor it. Thirdly, don't try and cope with the exercise or any other compensatory behavior. You know, you're just making the whole process a lot harder and last a lot longer. You're compensating by exercise or purging or any other weight behaviors. Number one, if you're underweight, you should not be doing it. And then you know, it's actually just dragging it out and then adding another compulsion to the fire, as you might call it. And then it's thinking about healthy coping mechanisms. You know, going through extreme hunger can be very hard emotionally, physically, and mentally. You may feel fear and anxiety that the weight gain process and the extreme hunger will never stop. So having some healthy ways to cope and distraction is essential. And I mean that. So I used to make baby dresses and mobiles and I started doing lots of different projects, but you can do things like journaling, talking to someone, having a therapist or a coach is very important. So I always say that that having that accountability is important, but listening to a podcast like this or anything else that you're passionate about, writing, reading a book, taking a nap, watching the sunset, any other healthy distractions you can think of that aren't related to your eating disorder and that allow you to kind of honor that hunger in the best way. Next, also get rid of any triggers you have. And I would definitely recommend to stop weighing yourself. So throw out the scales. You don't need it. It's only a diet culture torture to keep you brainwashed, especially if you're going through extreme hunger. What's the point? Unless you're extremely underweight and are being monitored physically, then that's when weighing scales are important. But you know, if you're at the point where you're honoring your extreme hunger, I would really get rid of them. Also, any kind of measuring tapes, etc unfollow any triggering social media accounts and start to follow positive things or things nothing to do with recovery or bodies. Remove old clothes. So that is a big one. Don't try on old clothes that fit you when you were at your worst. It will only make you feel worse. And finally, stop body checking because it's reinforcing your sense of self. So lastly, and this is a big thing, is is actually thinking it won't last forever. So my eating disorder told me that extreme hunger would last forever, that it was going to be the worst thing in the world and I'd lost control. I didn't have anyone to tell me otherwise because at the time, nobody told me what extreme hunger was. I wasn't alone in my recovery process, but guided by potentially misinformation a lot of the time. And my parents just wanted the best for me and they didn't know what I was going through because they'd never had an eating disorder themselves. I didn't want to just listen to the NHS meal plan or 
guidance that said I needed to eat this amount and not above because it wasn't right for me. I found it also very hard to talk to people at the times and that was a mistake that I made. I wish I had kind of opened up to people and explained what was going on because I think it would have been better. You know, extreme hunger could last merely weeks in some people and much, much longer in others. You know, there's no way of dictating how long it will last for you, but you can just give up trying, trying to bargain and reason with it because it will run its course and you will end up in the same place at the end of it. And you have two choices. You either eat without restriction and enjoy doing so, it's an enjoyable process, or fight it but you won't win and you'll be more likely to binge eat if you restrict here. Then you'll learn the hard way like I did at the start. You know, I initially fought it and and then I kind of binged and it took me far too long to learn that if I didn't fight it, then it wouldn't have lasted as long. So when I surrendered to it and the whole process just became quite enjoyable, you know, sure, like I did feel physical pain and mental pain, but I enjoyed eating and it didn't last forever my hunger subsides when my body and my mind were good and ready to allow it. You know, I had to just trust in myself. I had to be curious with my body. You know, I had a dietitian once said, it depends on your ability to be curious with yourself. I had to trust that my eating disorder was wrong. But most of all, I had to trust my body. Extreme hunger is a gift. It's a golden ticket. And it gave me no choice. I knew that I would rather die than go backwards. The only option was forwards, even if I did have lapses and little blips, but I knew I was going forwards. So it's remembering that essentially extreme hunger is your body trying to heal itself. And even if your brain knows there's plenty of food, your body might not. And holding on to restriction will never help you heal. So do your best to honor those hunger signals, however crazy, wrong, scary it seems your body has a lot to do and heal from. Just remember that you are not a unicorn. The same is true for you in recovery. Extreme hunger is not binging. If you don't have extreme hunger, it it doesn't really matter here. It's thinking going backwards is not an option if you want to live a full life. So I hope this episode has been helpful. Extreme hunger is incredibly scary. And, you know, actually a final thing that I'll say is ask for support and do set boundaries. This is really what truly feels best for you. And you might not have that many people around you. Sometimes it can be very, very helpful to let your family or roommates or partner to know what you're going through and why you need to eat a lot of food. You know, rather than sneaking around, I think there's nothing worse than sneaking around because your eating sort of likes that. And you can tell others what you need and how exactly they can best support you. Often people want to help, but they just don't know what is the right thing to say. But tell them, say that you don't want to discuss food or diets or numbers or tell them if you speak to them, this is just you there to listen and not try and give you advice. And finally, if somebody is triggering you, then you must set boundaries with them. Tell them what you need and what is not okay or is okay. Then they don't have to completely understand everything you're going through, but they should also honor the boundaries you set. Sometimes you actually have to cut people out altogether. I had a friend that I cut out completely, not because I didn't like her, but because it wasn't right for me at that moment in time. You just have to set very, very clear boundaries and and that makes extreme hunger a lot, a lot better. So yeah, I really hope that you've found this episode helpful. 
as always, I'm always here on social media, either at recover to flourish underscore pod Instagram or flourish with Keandra podcast, which I'm sure many of you have come from. I do a weekly question and answer session on a Sunday where I answer some questions as well. So, you know, I'm always there if you do have a question. So good luck with it. Honor the extreme hunger, eat to your body's desire, embrace the extreme hunger when it kicks in, And allow your brain to rewire more rapidly and ultimately push you into a new recovery process. You know, and as I'll finally, finally finish as I'm rambling on, I always say that extreme hunger can be your golden ticket to recovery. If you are super, super brave and decide to follow it, you know, this is where you learn about what food your body needs and to give it those foods to understand that no amount of food, no matter how much that is, is going to kill you like the eaten sort of would if you allowed it to fester in your life. So good luck. I'm here if you need me. Make sure to share this episode with anyone who you feel like might find it helpful. Also, I would really, really, really find it beneficial if you're able to leave a review. I am so passionate about this podcast. I'm glad that I've got into a routine of doing it and sharing my knowledge. But this can't happen without all you guys. So if you leave a review, however long or short it is, I would really appreciate that. So you can leave reviews in Apple Podcasts, I think, or Spotify. Either platform allows you to leave a review. And if you do have any questions, advice, or anything that you feel the podcast would benefit from having or me talking about, just send me a a DM or an email and all the details will be in the show notes. But for now, thank you so much again. I appreciate you all tuning in and listening and I will speak to you next week on the Recover to Flourish podcast.